Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that you have done for us, both seen and unseen. We come with a heart of gratitude. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and what you continue to do in our lives. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your unfailing love upon our lives. Thank you. We enter your courts with thanksgiving and your gates with praises. Hallelujah to your name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. For that is the will of God to give thankfulness and gratitude to the Lord. Hallelujah. Because He only has plans to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our hope and our future. And we love you so much, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you do way more than we can ever imagine or think. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything that they are waiting for. We thank you, Jesus. I thank you that you grant them all the things they are waiting for patiently to be restored in their lives, mentally, physically, and spiritually. I pray a blessing where they can be complete in you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that whoever comes to you shall lack no good thing. Thank you that you're the one that's good. Your name, Lord, it's you. Thank you, Jesus. I welcome you here, Lord, and I pray you speak to our hearts today and build us up on the most holiest faith that we can mature because that is your true bride, that we mature in you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I pray for every person here today, Lord, facing trials and challenges, facing difficult times, facing places where there is restrictions and limitations. In the name of Jesus Christ, we command doors to open. In the name of Jesus Christ, you open a door that no man can shut. And I pray for your grace to open every door your grace that is eternal to open spiritual doors that you may grant them rest and restoration thank you Lord I pray that you heal their minds from any attack of the enemy any places of defeat any places of brokenness that you heal their minds and their hearts today because whom the sun sets free is free. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that greater is the one who's in us than the one who's in the world. Thank you. Thank you that you're living inside of us, the King of kings, the Lords of lords. It is you, Lord, that we rely and trust on. And we thank you. Thank you that all your promises, they are yes and they are amen and to the glory of Christ. We receive him by faith in due time as we hope and put our trust in you. Thank you for everything you've done for us, Lord. And I pray
pray for doors of repentance where their blessings are to enter every person. And I pray for no more confusion. I pray for a clear mind to be theirs in the mind of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, just before we start, I'd like to collect an offering for some people here that are doing it a bit tough. Um, the Holy Spirit put that on my heart. Um, the box is here. If you can just keep playing the music, if you can. Uh, you're not compelled to give, but God loves a cheerful giver. There are some families here that the Holy Spirit showed me that are doing it tough this holiday break. And we would like to bless them in the name of the Lord Jesus. So if you feel led to give by the grace of God, the box is here. Thank you in advance. greatest graces that you can ever experience by the Lord he said it's more blessed to give than to receive went to the city we had some dinner and we fed so many people on the on the main strip I don't know what the street was called and I took a bundle of cash just to make sure that I have enough to give to the homeless this is not about me I just want to share how God puts people in your path one of them was a pastor from America and I walked past her and the Holy Spirit said go back to this one and we fellowshiped and it's sad that she got to a place where she accepted her defeat and it doesn't mean whether you're a pastor or a believer it's not about that it's about she came to a place where she accepted her defeat and I said God wants to restore you I said what I'm giving you is something small but I tell you something when we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. And no matter what situation, He can take you out. And it broke my heart to see that lady on the street sleeping alone. And I walked away and I said, I see you in heaven. Because that's who we are in Christ. Make a difference. Make a difference. Open your hearts for the people that are struggling and suffering. 
and so many people say there's not many people homeless in the in Australia the Bible says the one who doesn't give to his family is worse than a non-believer <laughs> the Bible says the one who doesn't give to his own family is worse than a non-believer so everyone's struggling pride will say why is this person like this that's how pride responds to giving had the person end up like this you give out of the heart of Christ that's how pride responds and the lady was um, she rejoiced and I took her back to the word of God not to the situation God says he will restore no matter how big the situation is and I share with you I'm scared to go to the city again I'll end up with nothing <laughs> I'm actually serious I'm not joking I'll end up with nothing but God sees So every one of us, we are believers, and it's true. The Bible says it's better to look at the interests of others rather than yourself. God turns his interest to you when you do that. So be that, be that person that makes a difference, amen? that I'm preaching about so I didn't choose this photo I think Daniel's watching Superman too much <laughs> where is he yeah. Yeah. first photo I let him choose and he chooses Superman heroes us a couple of minutes.
help you all doing well? be long, just a couple of minutes.
Fantastiske bøtte. Yeah, okay, that's good. Thanks, thanks for being patient. Um, together we can make a difference, amen? Amen. Just um, a heads up also, um, that church in Bangladesh, um, the video and photos will be coming soon. The, the church has been completed. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> together we can make a difference, amen? We, we built the, uh, a church slash orphanage. It can house up to 700 people. So I want to bless you and thank every person here that contributed to God's work. I love it. Um, I didn't say nothing to him. He said, um, I want to name it after your ministry, which is God's ministry. So he opened up that place. He sent his word in Bangladesh. God told me a long time ago to walk with the man. <laughs> in the beginning, he said, buy me a scooter so I can go further to further villages and preach the gospel. It's like 98% Muslim. And he is preaching the gospel. And he's winning souls in such an intense, in such an intense environment. And... I just want to show you what the Holy Spirit had done with him. So I had a dream of him that he was going to get ambushed from ISIS seven or eight years ago. And the Holy Spirit warned him not to go to a certain village. And he listened, but his friend didn't, and he lost his life. So we're not playing a game here. Over there, it's pretty intense. And... Their, their badge of honor is to, to kill a Christian, unfortunately. So that guy's come a long way. Um, what the? <laughs> so he's, <laughs> so he, he's, he's, he's come a long way. And um, I thank God that he's done what he's done. So the building is finished. They've done the electrical. They've done the electrical, um, they've painted it, they've put the windows in, it's finished. The next place is now in uh, Zambia, where the Holy Spirit showed me to give him money to fix his house. Um, he's an apostle, give him money to fix his house. The Holy Spirit said to me that he has a house that's incomplete. So I called him and I didn't say nothing to him. I said, can you give me a video of your house? And he showed me it was 70% incomplete. So he's finished his house now. He sent me all the videos of the plumbing, the rendering, the tiling. And they are ready to purchase the land now. The land to build a church and orphanage in Zambia. And we are uh, preparing to do this now. We've sent the money for the house. Now we are preparing to send the money for the church. So if anyone, by the grace of God, is willing to give to this, it's for God's work. And Together we can make a difference. Amen. And it is the truth. Together we can make a difference. So bless you all. The greatest difference is this, what I'm going to preach today. So I had a dream. I'm a person of many dreams. 
And the Holy Spirit's been showing me since the beginning. He really communicates with me via dreams. And this is a funny one. I'm not going to mention the preacher. <laughs> but I got taken to America uh, two weeks ago. And the Holy Spirit gave me a message that, that I'm going to slowly introduce into this place here. Okay? So, we're ready to hear what the Holy Spirit um, wants to focus on here. So I got taken to America. This preacher is a very anointed man. Um, and he operated powerfully in the Holy Spirit. And he's very famous. So it was actually funny that I got taken to his house. Um, and he come to me with a message. So I'll share the dream and I'll go from there. So when I saw this man, I was standing by a pool. I was standing by a pool that was very black. It was very murky. It had algae all over it, and it, and it was very dark. And, and the man said to me, I've been sent from the Lord to give you a message. And I said, you can share? And he said to me, God, God wants to anoint you. God wants to, he said, God wants to anoint you in a way that you have not known yet. And I'm familiar with this, but I didn't know how much attention God wanted to give it to me. And he said, stand by that pool. And he was very demanding in the dream. He said, stand by that pool. And I said, I don't want to stand there because I can fall into that water. And it was black, it was green, it was dark. And he said, it is the Lord's will that you stand by that pool. And I said, okay, I'll stand. So when I stood there, this is his house. When I stood there, he came beside me and he pushed me into the water. He pushed me into the water. And he said to you, the Lord's going to anoint you in a way that you have not known yet. And he pushed me in the water. I got out of the water. He pushed me again. I got out of the water. He pushed me again. And every time he pushed me in the water, shades of crystal water appeared when I hit the water. And he threw me in the water, and shades of water would just flicker, and the water would become crystal clear. And he said, it is the Lord's will that you keep going. And he said, even your head. And I said, and I said to me, I don't want to put my head in the water. And it was funny what he'd done. And you can laugh if you want. He took his shoes and his socks off, and he put his feet on my head, and he pushed me into the water. And he said, even your thoughts, God wants it to be holy ground. He said, even your thoughts, God wants it to be holy ground, where he can step on that place. And he kept pushing my head until the water become crystal clear, all of it. And he said, this is what the Lord wants. He wants the anointing to last forever. He said he doesn't want this to just be a, a season. 
he wants it to last forever. And I share with you how God allows me to understand it. It's where I put my focus on. I can get a thousand messages from the Bible and preach something that will blow you away. But I want to preach what God is speaking. And the water was so dark, so black, algae, dirty. And as soon as he put me in, the water would become shades of crystal clear water. And it was a massive pool, like a couple hundred meters. And then he, he got my body in there, and the last thing was my thoughts. And he put his head down. And he would hold my head in the water, and the water would go crystal like that. And he said, the Lord wants to anoint you in a way you have not known yet. And, and I'm aware of this. Uh, to an extent and to a level. But he said, God wants to anoint you in a way that it lasts forever. And isn't it interesting that God's greatest desire is that something lasts forever. Isn't that true? That many people get a glimpse of God, but it doesn't last forever. Now, we go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 to 29. This is the scripture that came to me while he was putting me in the water. Okay, you're going to learn the greatest anointing that you can receive from God. The greatest anointing that you receive from God, it's in this scripture. So we read it it's from 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 to 29. <clears throat> it says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now, next scripture. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Next. Now, this is the anointing. This is the true anointing that every believer must walk in. And yet last week, what did I preach about? Righteousness of God. And now it's like Holy Spirit's building on this. From all those different altars to the altar of righteousness. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So you begin to see the greatest anointing is the inward work inside of your heart. It's not the outward work where the Spirit is working to heal and to deliver and to, and to restore and to operate in the gifting. Though there is anointing to operate in the gifting, the greatest anointing is the eternal work that you become righteous like Christ. And righteousness is a gift obtained by Jesus at the cross. It gives everyone a right to operate the same way. So what is... What is the Holy Spirit most attracted to? How many people want a relationship with the Holy Spirit? 
How many people know Jesus Christ don't know the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. Have you ever wondered who's actually living inside of you? Have you actually ever wondered who is actually living inside of you? When I understood who's living inside of me, I gave so much value to him. You know that? I gave so much value to the one who's living inside of me, to the place where level by level, step by step, procedure by procedure, I started to really appreciate and give the greatest reverence and love and godly fear to the one who's actually living inside of me, to the place where I only wanted the word of God to dwell inside of me. And we start somewhere. But the sad part is that many people stay in that place. And it is true. Now, have you ever wondered who's living inside of you? Is it the Father? Is it the Son? Is it the Holy Spirit? Have you ever wondered? I give you the answer. All of them live in you. You know that? I'll, I'll prove it from the Word of God. We go first to Matthew chapter 10, verse 19 to 20. When you know, when you know the depth of the Godhead, the Trinity, living inside of you, you'll give him the most value and the most honor. We go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 19 to 20. Now look at this here. And I, f I felt really led to share this, though I don't want to go too deep inside of it. But look who's living inside of you. It says, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in the hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. He speaks not through you, He speaks in you. So you begin to give reverence and honor. Who is actually living inside of you? And the privilege that we have to know God invested so much inside of us. You know how much God invested inside of you? If we treated him in the same way, we would climb and we would soar. And it is true. Next scripture. We go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 to 9 in the New Living Translation. Now look at this here. This is the Spirit of Christ, or the Spirit of the Son, Jesus living inside. It says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Next. 
And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call Abba Father. Hallelujah. Now you are no longer a slave but God's own child, and since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Next one. Mayday, mayday. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves. Now he's talking to us now. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say that... Now God knows you. He knows you because of Christ. God's located you. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. So the Father called you and drawed his Son to you. Now the Father focuses on something else. The Son focuses on something else. The Holy Spirit focuses on something else. It's interesting. Each one has a task, but they work together. They co-labor together. So now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once to more the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? Next one. We go to John 14, 26. Everyone knows this scripture. But the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, who is living inside of you? All of them. They work together. What a privilege. Right? What a privilege. What an honor. But not many people know what a responsibility. What a great responsibility you have. What a great responsibility each one has. Have you ever thought, the Bible says, in the wisdom of God, teach us to number our days. You know God allowed your days to prolong for one major reason? is so you can actually... Does anyone know what it is? What do you think God gave you life? What do you think God extended your day from day to day? Have you ever thought about that? The Bible says, in the wisdom of God, teach us to number our days. Have you ever thought why God gave you life day by day and wakes you up? Have you ever actually thought about it in God's eyes, why he actually allowed you from day to day to live? Have you actually wondered why? You ask yourself, why did God allow me to live day by day and still prolong my days? If everyone knew the responsibility each one has, well, would you look at life very differently? And the greatest investment, the one who created the universe and everything inside of it, his greatest investment was man, or man and woman. His greatest investment, it's you. We have no excuse when we know that the Godhead, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. We have the ability to conquer and to overcome. Right? We do.
But you have your flesh as your opponent, you have Satan as your opponent. This is, this is wisdom. How do you navigate? How do you navigate in these hard times? How do you know if Satan's working? How do you know to see these places of what's actually happening inside of you? Okay. So Jesus promises us to give us the Holy Spirit. Now, question for you. What do you think the first activity or the first role of the Holy Spirit when He comes to your life? So let's say, let's say you're born from above and you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. What do you think the first role or the first activity of the Holy Spirit work in your life, what do you think he focuses on? Uh, so I need a microphone, please. So whoever wants to have a go at this, just put your hand up and AJ will come to you. What do you think the first activity, what do you think the first activity or the first role of where the Holy Spirit focuses first. It's interesting, isn't it? How many people are in a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. What do you think the first activity is? If you don't locate the first activity of the Holy Spirit, you will not, you will not be a participant. Conviction. Conviction? Like detox? Detox? <laughs> Juice, juice, or? <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> Raymond. Your heart. Your heart, yeah, part of it. Conviction is part of it, but I'm looking for one thing. Cleansing. Cleansing, part of it. Raymond had a thing, did he? Raymond. Raymond's on fire today. Discipline. Discipline, yeah. Part of it. Exposing things in your heart. Exposing your heart, yeah. Part of it. Repentance. Repentance, part of it. Come on, man. <laughs> Someone's got to get this. <laughs> Sanctification. Part of it. <laughs> uh, he, he's he's going to get off his chair. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Just tell him now, it's a part of it. No, he'll probably get it. Okay. I'm not going to make it short. When I got the Holy Spirit, there was too much that downloaded to my body and soul. I, I cannot explain. It was love. And like I knew that love, uh, God loves us all equally. Okay. Make me love everyone and forgive everyone. So I was like, I, I, I cannot explain it. So, so love for you? Love. I love and forgiveness? Love. Amen. Yeah, love and forgiveness. Amen. Okay. It's good. Your answer is good. <laughs> no. Bless you. Bless you. Probably identity. Identity. 
first role and activity of the Holy Spirit when He first comes to you? What do you think He's most interested with? Surrender. Surrender. Amen. Eva said transformation. Character. Character. Anyone else? It's all right. It's all right. Just, they've said every word in the Bible, just might as well. So what's the first activity of the Holy Spirit when you become born from above? What do you think his main objection, his first activity where he becomes active with you? What do you think... Uh, Pressure's on you. <laughs> um, regenerates the spirit. Regenerates your spirit. Okay. Not not yet. Not yet. Desires. Your desire. Desire. Yeah. No. no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps is at uh, baptism. Yeah. So I said after. So after you become born from above, what does he focus on? You want to have another go? Uh, AJ said uh, inner dwelling. What's that, sorry? AJ wants me to say inner dwelling. Inner dwelling? Okay. Blame AJ. It's a good way to just cover yourself. <laughs> Anyone else? Come on, someone needs to have a go at this. It's very simple. What's that, sorry? Well, I can't hear. Obedience? Yeah. Brings power in your life? Brings power in your life. The first activity of the Holy Spirit? No. Condemnation? What's that, sorry? Condemnation? I can't, I can't hear, sorry. Condemnation. So the first activity is he works on condemnation? Condemned, yeah. Okay. It's a good answer, but not, not what I was looking for. Uh, fellowship. Fellowship. Okay. Holiness. Holiness. said holiness. Good answer. All right. So, so I, I said it in um, five different ways. <laughs> What's the first role of God, the Holy Spirit, when you become born from above? What does he focus on? Amen. What did you say? The Word of God. Well, I'm, I'm going to continue on Sunday teaching the children upstairs. I'll stay on Sunday with the children. <laughs> well. Well. Well, so, anyways, let's just keep going. We go to John 14. John 14, uh, verse 15 to 30 in the New King James. Isn't it interesting that anyone here want to have a firm relation with the Holy Spirit? You must know what he's attracted to, right? Yeah. Wow. 
think about it like this. How can you get convicted if you don't have the word? How can you be obedient if you don't have the word? How can you learn about condemnation if you haven't learned the word? It is simple. Sometimes we complicate it, unfortunately. Now, there are conditions here. The Holy Spirit, there are conditions with the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting what his name is? Holy Spirit. You know, you think about that. He, his name is Holy Spirit. I think we, 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 <laughs> we so easily forget that, what he desires inside of us. So we'll read this here. Now look at the pattern and how he teaches. This is the first activity of the Holy Spirit. The first activity. We'll read it. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper or comforter. That he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of Truth whom the world cannot receive because he neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now isn't that amazing? That God will never withdraw his spirit from you. You can quench him. You can hurt him. You can grieve him. But he will never remove it from you. He can go silent on you. And it's very uh, common today where people don't hear the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will also live. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will, I will love him and manifest myself to him. Beautiful blessing with such a great responsibility. So we'll stop there. Oh, actually, I'll keep going. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my... So the basis of, of, of nurturing the love of God is the basis of knowing his word. How can you love something you don't know? Many people love Jesus, but they don't know what he loves. And it's actually the truth. Can I say something? And it may shake you a bit. A lot of, a lot of people today, they want to be comforted by the Lord, but they don't want to be comforted by the truth. This is the most uh, problem we're having with the body of Christ today. Many people want to be healed, but they don't want to be healed with the truth. Many people want to be delivered, but they're not delivered by the truth. Many people want blessings, but they don't want blessings by the truth. Many people want direction, but they don't want direction by the truth. 
And we have a people that are hurting today. Isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit works in a way where he comforts you only with the truth? Think about that. Are you a person who's comforted with the truth? Or are you comforted in his name? This is how you know the ones who know Jesus or the ones who know the truth. The body of Christ is suffering like this today. The first activity of the Holy Spirit, his greatest responsibility, as long as you cooperate with him, is to comfort you with the truth. How many people today are comforted with truth? So many people are going after peace, but it's the truth that brings you peace. So many people want to have joy, but he said, your joy will be complete when my word is in you. How many people are looking for all these things, but they regret the most important thing is the truth? So many people are holding on to a name where Jesus wants you to hold on to the truth. You think about this. Now, the Holy Spirit always changes the direction where I go. And it's very important that we learn the basic foundation of knowing the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting? The same way you know Jesus, the same way you know the Holy Spirit is the same way he wants you to know the Word. How many people here today, they want restoration, they want breakthrough, they want healing, they want deliverance, they want hope, they want joy, they want peace, but they don't want to be comforted with the truth. You begin to ask yourself questions. And that's the reason why his people are destroyed, because... See the light turned on now. I don't play like that. I'm just... <laughs> Holy Spirit's here. He is here. Because he brings this message. He wants us to grow. Think about it like this. Are you a person who's seeking truth above the needs? Ask yourself this question. Are you seeking blessings above the truth. That's why so many things don't last in people's life because they haven't established a foundation of truth. Think about it. The first activity, when I read the Word of God, word for word, I wanted to know what God wants from me. And what does the Bible say? He desires truth in the innermost being. Right? Does he not? What is your focus? The needs, the wants, the blessings, the restoration, the breakthrough, the deliverance? Or is it truth that holds them all together? You begin to ask yourself this question. What is it that you're desiring? How are you going after the Lord? Before love, he said, there is truth. People want to love Jesus, but Jesus tells you to love the truth. That's how you love Jesus. If you love me, keep my commands. What comes before love? truth and the biggest problem today why so many people are incomplete and they are lacking because the truth is not established in them however you want to see you see it but it's actually the truth I want to know the first activity of the Holy Spirit 
And what does he want you to do? Give honor to the word. Give honor to the truth for your own life. And isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting when you learn the scriptures here and you start to say, hang on a second. If I go after truth, everything else will be settled. Right? Isn't that right? It is right. I asked the reason, the question to show you is why we are lacking so much. The Holy Spirit's main objective and main focus is the Word. If you don't know the Word, you don't know what God hates. You don't know what God loves. You don't know which direction to go. So His main focus is the Word. Let's look at some scriptures. So who, who here is looking for all these things? Breakthrough, restoration. Many people come to Bob studies for this, right? What does Jesus want? He wants you to be established in the Word. Heaven pass away, the earth pass away, but never. What a promise that is to know that God's given you the Word. Where, on the other hand, I won't just say yet. <laughs> now, I'll just quickly give you a definition of what the comforter means. It's parakletos. The word comforter, he's first known as parakletos. It's Strong's uh, 3875. It defies as consular to reassure you, to assure you against grief, loss, or a sense of trouble. The, w the next one is advocate, one who defends and maintains you. Isn't that interesting that God wants to defend you and maintain you till you see Christ? That is the role of who? The Holy Spirit and you. And you. One who defends and maintains you, one who supports and promotes you. That's what the word advocate means. He wants to promote. Why so many can't, people can't get promoted? Because they're chasing the rest of the things. They're avoiding the very thing that shows God to be in them is the truth. The word became flesh and it dwelt amongst us. Wow. How many people today are following Christ emotionally and mentally? They go through trouble, they go through challenges, they go through trials. They don't have the word to defend themselves. And it is the truth. That's why so many people are weak and they are struggling. The word advocate means one who pleads in your favor. The word advocate means one who pleads another cause before a judge. A pleader of defense, legal assistant. The next one is intercessor. The one who aids you. You know, aid, what it means? The one to bandage you. The one to heal those scars, those wounds, the traumas, the challenges. When you know who's living inside of you, well, you'll give him all the attention. And many people make a 
mistake. They go after the voice without the word. They go after the voice where God's giving you the written word to begin your foundation. Holy Spirit, speak with me. It's pride. He spoke to you already. Many things. If he can't trust you with the, the Logos word, the printed word, how can you receive spiritual things? It's the mistake that we make. We're not hungering enough for the word, the truth. People hunger for truth to preach. People hunger to be someone or to do something for God. Jesus doesn't want that. He wants truth first to transform you. When you understand this, you will withdraw yourself and focus on letting God restore what's inside. So the word intercessor, the one who aids you, the one who is summoned to your side, your assistant, one who strengthens you and enables you to undergo trials and persecutions. That's who's inside of us. Now, let's look at the scripture. I won't say I'm sad, but it took probably 50 answers to get the one that I was looking for. Because this is something where we should know straight away. No offense. It's actually basic. But can I say it like this? I don't say it to put you down. I say it so you can understand the foundation you need to establish. Can I ask you something? Why did God create you? Did he create you to be saved? Now let's go deeper one step. Did he create you only to be saved? Because that's at the end of your life. What about now? Did God create you to be saved? The Bible said he predestined us before the foundation of the universe to be born into this world. For what? You begin to ask yourself this question. And you begin to see how much you're robbed from the false life that you're living. Why did God create you? Why did God create you? I'm going to share the answer. No detox here. <laughs> it's a spiritual detox. But why did God create you? I want to share here why God created you. Did God create you to be saved? That's the end result. What about your whole life? Think about it, please, before I give the answers. <clears throat> we go first to John 16, 13. I'm going to read this very quick, so go with me, please. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all the truth. That is his objection. That is his focus. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak to you, and he will tell you the things to come. Next scripture, John 4, 24. We all heard this scripture. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in the spirit and the truth. 
John 8, 31 to 32. We all quote this scripture. Do you know what actually frees you? <laughs> Do you actually know what actually frees you? To get so much of the truth and put it into practice. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in what? Yes, that's what frees you. A name itself is a confession that you believe in him, but that doesn't free you. His word, his truth inside of you frees you. And it's the truth. You don't have to speak a thousand times, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Focus on the truth. Because that's what it means to be a true follower of Christ. I am the way. What gives you life? The truth. It all points to the truth inside of you. You know what saddens me, and I'll be honest, is that people focus upon Jesus' death on the cross. But that's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of the price that he paid for you. The responsibility after that is so important. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will free you. Next one. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14. Look. I spoke about righteousness last week. What holds righteousness together? Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Believe me, it's truth that keeps the plate intact. If you don't have the truth, the plate will fall, and what gets struck? Above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. So what, what, what is the enemy busy on? Breaking that plate. But for him to break that plate, he has to strike this one first. First John, oh, I won't say that one. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation when you believed, you were marked with him a seal, the promise, Holy Spirit. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit was deposited to you. Sealed with you. For what? For the word of truth. He focuses on what? The gospel of salvation and the word of truth. What does Revelation say? We overcome Satan. Gospel of salvation, the blood. Word of our testimony. Hasn't changed. That's our focus. The Holy Spirit focuses on two major things. The cross and the word being imprinted in you. But how many people approach God like this? I want to know the truth to be transformed. How many people know this? I want to have the truth 
to crucify the flesh. How many people are approaching God like this? I want to know truth so I can love God more. How many people approach God like this? Psalms 145.18. I'm just giving you an establishment here. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in the truth. How many people have prayed nothing's happened? Is that God's will? No, it's not God's will. I said it from before. A delayed blessing is from delayed repentance. I said that last week. And what is delayed repentance? The lack of truth. It is the truth. Psalms 25 verse 5. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I'll wait all day. You see their focus? You see their focus. What is your focus? Please understand. What is your focus? The first activity of where the Holy Spirit is showing is to comfort you in the truth. The greatest mistake the body of Christ do, they want to be comforted in a name. You are to be comforted in the truth. That's what it really means to carry His name. The greatest mistake people do, they want to be comforted in the name. And they avoid being filled up with the truth that gives the enemy so much grounds over your heart and your mind. Psalms 51 verse 6. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. What is the doorway to wisdom? Is gaining truth. The Bible says if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, because God gives without fault finding or measure. What is the doorway and the pathway to wisdom? Is knowing the truth. That's when the tug of war really begins, is when you know the truth. Not overcoming, it's when you know the truth. So, this is something that I want to share. I want to share with you here what God focuses on when you become born again, what Satan focuses on when you become born again. Very interesting. I have a drink first. James chapter 1 verse 18. This is the activity of the Holy Spirit. Ready? This is the moment that you become born from above. Okay? Or born again. Whichever way you want to say it doesn't bother me. The first activity of the Holy Spirit when you are... Given your life to Christ, you start to see His direction for your life. 
Okay, ready? Look at this scripture. James chapter 1 verse 18. It was of his own will that he gave us birth as his children by the word of truth. He, how do you birth, get birthed by God? By the word of truth. Now look at this here. So that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. A prime example of what he created to be set apart to himself. Why were you created? For the truth. Is, is that all? No. Set apart for himself. You're not your own. You've been bought at a price. Now, that begins. What begins first? That begins first. Then, you learn that you're not your own anymore. Sanctification begins. Holiness begins. Then his divine purpose in the Father's will takes place. You see? You know, it bothers me, and, and, and I'll say it how it is, is that people don't know where they're going. People don't, haven't located where the Holy Spirit's working. And I, I sit with people. Uh, what's God doing in your life? Praise God. Praise God. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Where's God working in your life? Praise God, praise God. People don't know what's happening. People don't know where God's working. People don't know who they are anymore. Because they haven't understood what God wants to establish in them first. So if the Holy Spirit's main focus is to have a foundation of truth and to teach you the truth, what do you think takes place after that? The greatest resistance of the devil takes place. I can't pray. I can't read the word of God. I can't be alone. And people start to feel this resistance and feel this wrestle. And you begin to see where it's coming from. And the, and the turbulence you have to break through to build that habit. My son's not liking that. So, the main focus on when you become born from above is for the Holy Spirit to teach you truth. Yes? Look, we'll go to John 17, 17, quickly. Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. So the sanctification begins, takes you back to the word of God. Next one. Oh, I won't actually... Okay, we'll actually go there. Go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. Now, have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is Satan dominant in my life? Or should I say it like this? Why is Satan hanging around my life? Have you ever asked yourself this question? In the last probably six months, we had so many deliverances. What shocked me? Not one of them come up to me and say, why is he there? And to all the glory of Jesus Christ for delivering them through the Holy Spirit. But why is he there? Why is he actually there? Now, have you ever asked yourself, constant warfare, constant warfare, constant bondage, 
constant oppression, constant visitations from the enemy. Why is he there? Why is he there? I take you back to the root of why the enemy keeps visiting. And I take you back to the scripture here. Answer your question. That the enemy engages every believer. But is he meant to stay? The answer is no. He's not meant to stay. Does he engage every believer? Yes. Is he meant to stay? Is he, is he meant to make a residence in your mind, a residence in your emotions, a residence in your feelings, a residence in your heart, residence in your family? The answer is no. The main reason why Satan keeps visiting is alarming. And I'll take you back to this. The main reason Satan keeps visiting you is because of the lack of word inside of you. The three times Jesus defended himself from the devil, it is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus, the Son of God, defended himself by the word of God for our understanding. Now I'll show you here. Satan Satan focuses here three of his attacks. Three of his attacks, three of the times where Satan had no entry into that person, Jesus, through the word of God. Did Jesus need to do that? The Bible says he will destroy him with the breath of his mouth. He done it for our focus, so we can understand. Now look here. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Now where does the Holy Spirit lead you? Lead you to do warfare with the devil. But where does he really lead you? He leads you to the Word. Many people miss this. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to do warfare with the devil. Yeah? Where did the Holy Spirit really lead him? To the Word of God. Right? Are we sleeping? He led him to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit led him to the Word of God. That is your victory. That is your authority, is the Word. Satan knows without the word you can't overcome him. He knows without the authority of the word, the first authority that the Holy Spirit seeks, you can't overcome him. He knows. So he'll keep you away. Trying to make you figure out why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Why me? Why me? Then Jesus went up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. You know that stone there in the, in the Greek? It means a stumbling block. You know that stone that he told him to turn it into bread? It means a stumbling block. What is a stumbling block? The one who doesn't know the word. 
It means to trip you over. That's what the stone means, to trip you over. How are you tripped? You're tripped when you don't have the authority of the word in you. And you're not putting it into practice. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Satan quoted the scripture to his advantage, so you can serve him in the flesh. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now Satan always quotes scripture out of context. He's very good at quoting scripture out of context. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Now isn't it interesting why Satan is sticking around so many believers? Believe it or not, it's up to you. Is because you haven't established your interests. A lot of people say the Spirit led him to encounter Satan. Every believer will encounter Satan. Where Satan becomes dominant and ruling and intimidating is because we haven't established ourselves in truth. Right? So, a bit of wisdom here. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to what? Establish him in the Word. And unfortunately, so many people have a blunt sword. They're trying to fight Satan. Oh, is that God? Or is that the devil? Oh, you know, I'm going through what I'm going through. and It's probably God. It's probably God's will that I go through this. I only have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. You can see the enemy very clearly. And, and in due time, I will preach the difference between testing and temptation in the wilderness. Very important, we know the difference. The difference between testing and temptation. Testing is from God, temptation is from the devil. And so many people don't have an understanding yet of what happens in the wilderness. I won't go too much into that one. So at birth, when we become born from above, the Holy Spirit wants to give birth to the word of God inside of us. To what? Sanctify you. To make you holy for his divine purpose. How many people know that God has a plan for them? How many people? How many people? What is that plan? <laughs> so someone will say, you know what? I'll just start preaching on the streets. That's what people do. I'll start feeding the homeless. That sounds good. But let God speak. Let God establish you. Let God fill you with the Holy Spirit, with power and authority. So when you do preach, His power comes. There's a process you have to undergo. Yes, we have zeal, we have hunger for the Lord, but there's a process you have to undergo. 
And the first truth is not the truth to preach, it's the truth to be transformed. How, how, how can we get that wrong? Yes, we want to please God, but the greatest way you can please God is to what? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice unto Him. That is your right and true and proper worship. How can we get it wrong? And how can we bypass the most important process where God desires truth in the innermost being? Listen, gifting led people to hell in Revelation. And I'm sorry to tell you, but it's the truth. Gifting led people to hell. I prophesied, I cast out demons in your name, I healed in your name, go where I don't know you. You who've avoided the most important thing. This is what's coming from the Holy Spirit. You know what that tells me? That he wants to build us on the most amazing foundation where the enemy has no grips, no holds over us, the world has no grips, no holds over us, and it's the Holy Spirit. Now, at birth, or when you become born from above, you have a responsibility to fill yourself up with the Word of God. At birth, Satan roams havoc against you to take away the Word. You can only be defenseless you can only be defeated. You can only fail when Satan steals the word from you. His first tactic, he comes to what? Steal. Steal. He steals the very, very first thing that God's trying to plant in you. So in the beginning, you have a responsibility with the Holy Spirit to co-labor with him to get the word in you to be transformed. To be sanctified, to made holy. Then, Satan knows this. Satan is most intimidated by what? What is Satan most intimidated about? Is he intimidated you believe in Jesus? He's not intimidated by that. He's intimidated by one major principle. What is it? that you don't mature. Because when you do mature, power is given, Satan is destroyed. Satan will go way and above to destroy you from maturing. How many people believe in Jesus? Millions. How many people have matured? Few. Many are called? Few are chosen. So Satan knows this. Satan knows that when you get to a place, those who've cleansed themselves in the latter days will be instruments of God. Right? How do you cleanse yourself? With the truth. So Satan knows. He's most intimidated. He's most intimidated when you want to mature. Are we listening? He's most intimidated when you want to mature. And when you read the Bible, it's, it's very clear. Create in me a pure heart. Bring truth to me. Because that's what God desires. On the other hand, you have Satan entangling you and crippling you with the things of the world, with sin, and many other things 
to block you from one major foundation, maturity. The greatest way Jesus gets the glory in any believer is when they have matured. I don't care what anyone says. When you have matured, you're a true Christ. When you have matured, you're a true vessel for the Holy Spirit to reside. And believe me, I say this in conviction also. That's my main objective. It's my main focus now with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit set me straight from that dream. His main focus is this. And I would not move from that until he tells me. His main objective is that you do not mature. And how don't you mature is when the word is stolen from you. So in the beginning, he'll go out of his way to weary you, frustrate you, defeat you, fail you, break you, torment you, make you think it's hard. Then naturally, you, you withdraw yourself. Go to Luke chapter 8. So at birth or when we become born from above. The main focus and objective of the Holy Spirit is to create truth in you, to be sanctified, sorry, to be set apart, sanctified, made holy for his divine purpose. Satan, on the other hand, is most active when you become born again. Because if he can trouble you in the beginning, it will be harder for you in the future. Can you listen, someone? Isn't it interesting that if he can scar you or wound you or trouble your vision in the beginning, you would believe it would be hard for you to move forward. So when you read the scriptures, Satan's most active to Jesus in the wilderness. He just got saved. Satan's most active when the word just gets preached to you. You start to see the scriptures. You start to think, hang on a second. Am I a participant of Satan's attacks? Have I allowed these things to happen to me and I'm asleep? Go to Luke chapter 8, please. Verse 9 to 15. One major reason is that you don't mature. (laughs) His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Now, isn't it interesting? He said it's talking about secrets now. Paul talks about one major secret, to be content. Here he's talking to you about another secret. Now, when he says about a secret, pay close attention because your life can portray this. Now, look what it says here. He said the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that those seen they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Remember, he gave birth, he gave birth to you as first fruits, as creatures. For what? The word. Those along the paths are the ones who hear. And the devil comes, takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. 
Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy. When they hear it, but have no root, they believe for a while, but in times of testing, they fall away. Now, isn't that interesting? It all comes back to the level of truth that you've allowed in your heart. All the attacks of the devil, all your disconnections from God, all the, all the plots of the devil comes down to one major thing, the lack of truth inside of you. Because let me tell you something, when you read and God's prepared you for it, guess what happens? You're on a place of what? You're on the attack now. You're not going to sit back and hang around and say, hang on a second, God wrote this about it. This is what I'm going to go through. And it's happening now. I'm in God's will. And he shows you how to move forward. But guess what happens when you don't read about it? It hits you as a shock. It hits you as a challenge. And it catches you off guard. Right? Why? It comes down to one major thing. I'm not cooperating with the Holy Spirit to build the most important foundation the word of God in me. All the attacks, it is written, it is written, it is written. All these attacks, lack of the word of God, lack of the word of God. How many people have heard the word of joy and they rejoice, they go back to their family and their family destroys them because of tradition. You don't know what you're talking about. How many people, very common in our community, how many people, they get, a, they get a revelation of what, who Jesus is and what he done for them. And they go and share it with their relatives, family and friends and they get trampled on. And then they begin to think, am I doing something wrong? Can this really be the truth? Lack of foundation. You know what, I'll, just, I'll keep it to myself. I wish I could have said the same thing. Because the thousands that got saved is because I took a stand. So my persecution ushered the door for many to get saved. That's the price you pay for the gospel to come to other people. The seed that fell among thorns, I preached about thorns, remember? I hope you remember. <laughs> the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, now that word there gives such a breakthrough on their way. There's like many scriptures about Jesus approaching people on the way. Anyways. But, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. Next. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word and by persevering produces a crop. Next one. Oh, that was it. Okay, that's it. So I'll share something with you today. To give true value to the Holy Spirit is to give true value to truth. 
Now look what Satan thrives on, last scripture. John 8, 44. Look what Satan thrives for inside of man. Look when he was talking about the Pharisees. And he said, you belong to your father, the devil. Now he's talking to human beings here. He's not talking to spirits. But look what he said. Look what he said here that gives it away. Unfortunately, how people can become children of the devil. The Bible says those who keep on sinning has neither known him or seen him. So, unfortunately, in this world today we live, it's very common that people can be children of the devil. Now, to be a child of the devil comes back to one major thing. <clears throat> you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the... You see that? You see that? What allows Satan to grasp our lives and to take hold of our lives is because we are not holding on to the truth. Now I pray by the grace of our Lord Jesus, you understand this. So many people want a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but they have not understood his desire and his focus and his intent. Now think about it. Think about it. Am I truly cooperating with the Holy Spirit to a place that I've desired truth above the blessing, above the breakthrough, above the healing, above restoration, above hope, above joy, above peace? So many people come to me, I just want peace. I just want rest. I just want hope. I want hope. I want joy. No, I'm sorry. I want truth. Because truth holds everything else together. Truth allows God to bless, keep it, and sustain it. So think about it today. I tell you the truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that He establishes us on the true path. And by the grace of God, you won't be wandering around anymore we have so much work amen but you start to see am I co-laboring with the Holy Spirit am I looking for a voice and avoided the truth because they're together So th something to think about. Am I a person who wants to be comforted? Or am I a person who wants to be comforted with the truth? Something to think about. Now this is the true path of Christ. And I encourage every person to inhabit this. This is the true way to Christ. And it goes to show you that the Holy Spirit doesn't like to backdoor himself. He likes to show himself openly to restore you. Right? So are you a person who's going after truth? Or are you a person seeking all the other things? And they do come. <laughs> but do they last? 
So think about it. Am I that person? Think about it. Am I that person who's rightly handling the word of truth? Because he says to Timothy, don't be ashamed, but to present yourself to God as one approved, who rightly handles the word of truth. And how do you rightly handle the word of truth? Is to seek truth in the innermost being, to be transformed. We are good. We are good at getting the gospel and sharing it with everyone. It's true. But God doesn't want that first. He wants truth to transform you. Then you become naturally our walking epistle to Christ. So bless you all. Let's pray. Remember, Satan's most active in the beginning. God's trying to plant, Satan is trying to uproot. It goes to show you how diligent you have to be with the, how you come to church and how you get the word of God and how you seek counsel and how you be teachable and how you keep your heart right, right? Yeah, it's true. Be people that are teachable. Thank you, Jesus. So I pray for you today, and I pray that you understand this. A message that will change your life forever. Are you going after truth? Because to go after Jesus is to go after truth. Don't make this mistake. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. Your name is truth, Lord, and you stand for truth. I pray this truth, Father, in Jesus' name, manifest in our heart that we may tr be true disciples of you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I know you're pleased, and I thank you. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you put truth inside of us and allow us to walk in truth. Because it's not by might, it's not by strength, it's by your Spirit. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've given us the gift of righteousness to walk in it. Thank you, Jesus. From here to the third heavens, Lord, I thank you. And I pray, Lord, that sound doctrine is coming into our hearts. Thank you for your word, Lord. Your word is true. Let every man be a liar, but your word be true. Thank you, Lord. We love you so much, Lord. And thank you for revealing us how we can truly be participants as sons and daughters. Hallelujah to you, Jesus. I thank you for establishing us on the true foundation. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lift your hands to the Lord. Holy Spirit's here. And this is not a, a one touch. This is your life. Thank you, Jesus. That what keeps the devil away, what keeps the world away, what keeps all the attacks away is your word. And I thank you for your word. Establish us on your word. And give us the heart to hunger for your word. 
Now, this is the prayer that I'm going to pray, that every person has a hunger for the word. Because so many people here are praying and they don't hunger the word like they do. Now, hunger comes when God rekindles your spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that creates the hunger. He creates the thirst. So I'm going to pray this prayer with you and we're going to come into agreement that we can hunger for His Word where we're not obliged or forced. It becomes a treasure. I thank you, Jesus. You said when two or more agree on something on earth, it shall be done in heaven. I pray from today, Lord, that we can hunger for your Word. We can hunger for it. Not forced, not obliged, but it's a treasure. Thank you. I pray this prayer, Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you create a thirst for us so we can go after you, Lord Jesus, through your word. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that this prayer is true and it touches your heart. Make it known to us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I said in the beginning that I'll pray for married couples. So if that was you, um, you can come up and I'll pray for you. Please, I don't want you to focus on coming up every week, though the door is open. I want you to receive this message.